So I'm in this situation where I'm, I'm really far away from home. I can't get off of this boat. It's raining, so I'm trying to be down below so I'm not getting rained on. And the engine is just cranking away and it's hot. And I'm literally like almost lose it. And I go up and I'm standing up on that deck. And I still, to this day, remember just being up there and thinking. Hey folks, welcome to today's episode. This is part two of what was uh, part one on Monday, last Monday, which was Jerome Rand's crazy figure eight sailing experience around the world. He's already sailed around the world once, um, totally solo, unbelievable journey, 270 something days. And uh, he, he talked about that in an episode 644, I believe it was. It's in the show notes check that out. I, I really encourage you to check out that first episode and then part one of the most recent update. And then now is part two. So Jerome is awesome. We were able to meet in person. That doesn't happen a lot, but it was it was really good. But we start out part two. We basically just split the interview in half. And I'm actually telling a couple stories right off the get-go. So it's I'm talking a little more than usual in this uh, part two episode. But then Jerome gets right into some pretty incredible stories. So let's uh, let's jump in that. But before we do, I wanted to make you aware we've got a new sponsor, someone that's helping make this show happen, and that is Gooder Sunglasses. You may have heard of them. They're very bold colored. They're, uh, they're beautiful. They're very... Uh, affordable. They actually say the four F's of the gooder solution is the four F's. It's fun, fashionable, functional, and affordable. That's what I'm talking about. If you know me, you know that I like a good deal on things and I'm not about to drop full price for some $300 pair of sunglasses that I'm only going to lose or break or run over on my bike or my kid's going to step on. You, You know, anything can happen to sunglasses. I don't want anything to happen to them. So that's why I like Gooder sunglasses. They do free shipping on 50 bucks or more, 30-day returns. They got a one-year warranty. And I honestly love the bold colors and the bold styles. They look awesome. My wife and I both wear Gooder sunglasses. Like, legitimately, we really do. And the cool thing is they're around, you know, 25 or 35 bucks for really good sunglasses. So if you'd like to support me and support the folks that support the show... And treat yourself to a great pair or two or three of Gooder sunglasses. Go to Gooder.com and use the code ASP15 for 15% off. That's Gooder, G-O-O-D-R.com. Use the code ASP for Adventure Sports Podcast. 15 at checkout, you get 15% off. Trust me, your face, your eyes, they will thank you. Because I was going to say, if you said no, I was going to say statistically that's got to be impossible. Dude, yeah. So <laughs> it, it is, the more people, I, we, I know plenty of cyclists that have been hit and killed. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Now it's kind of like motorcycles. Like it's just kind of a higher, higher percentage of folks. But this summer we did this ride and it wasn't a pure bike touring coast to coast. It was just like a not not a guided but it was like a marketing thing we were doing so we had a van that was the support van and it had it was all you know outfitted and had the logo on the you know the company we were doing a lot of beer passing out the beer and filming it and making a big deal about it as much as we could um 
despite COVID, you know, we'd had to keep our, you know, distance, but we, we were making it a thing. And so I was more of like the van driver, me and this other guy, Nick. And so we would recruit cyclists based on where we were. We would, you know, we have a sales rep in Chicago. We'd have them bike across Illinois or sales rep. So we just had our, 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 our employees, our, our coworkers really commit to like pretty much state lines, like bike from this state to this state. The state to the, and they would carry a beer tap across the country, like a like literally. Oh no way! Like, like the, the, yeah. the the Olympic torch. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they, the so Olympic it was keg. Yeah, the Olympic uh, <laughs> beer tap. Beer tap baton is what it was. But so at the end of one of the days in Iowa, man, I was like, you know, I'm gonna. One of the guys had who was riding. He knocked out like 120 miles by like one o'clock. Oh in the wow! Afternoon. He was crushing chris if you're listening you you killed it and so i was like hey it's only one let me just let me jump on the bike and i'll knock out you know 20 30 miles just to get a head start for tomorrow yeah so i got on the bike man and within this is the first time i had ridden on the whole ride and we were already halfway across the country and so but i I had been behind you know on the van in the van for like two weeks so i'm like i want to get out there yeah yeah man within like 10 minutes this truck hit me going down the highway and uh Hit me with its mirror going full speed. So just the mirror and the oh, side wow. of the truck yeah. scraped me. But the mirror hit me right in the back of the, right in the top of my back, like the shoulder essentially in my neck. And uh, yeah, it was it was wild. It, a few inches to the right, it would have killed me for killed sure. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but now the mirror snapped off, hit me in the head and just kind of broke into a bunch of pieces um, but the truck never stopped or slowed down. It was going. Just took right off. No, wow. it, it would never. It or was never flying. Even down. Wow. It was flying. It was going 60, 70 miles an hour. Geez, I wonder this. if the speed of it helped because it was it going just fast. Shattered enough. the yeah. whole thing. I'll, I'll be honest. It didn't. Uh, like, just imagine a vehicle driving and it just you get hit with the mirror. It sounds like it'd be really painful, and it was painful. But it, it was like you ever had someone just just really slap you as hard as they could in the back like i don't yeah. know like, oh yeah like a college frat guys do that you know what I mean? just, my dad used to do it just just hit us uh in a funny way you know? that sounds yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah right <laughs> but he, you know he was a little rough but you know just slap you in the back that's kind of what it felt like but i was pretty sore but it really wasn't that big a deal it just felt it was just realizing how close it was. Yeah, yeah. Think, so. Well, because that's the thing. I, you know, you pass bicycles uh, on the not on the freeway, but on the highways and stuff, where the speed limit's fifty five, and I'm always just thinking, "I said, whoa, it's just you're, so you're close." Th- you're this far from cars. I know. Like, all day. I know. And you have oh, cow like, on a cross country ride. I don't even know what this. You know, you probably have tens of thousands of opportunities to get killed. Every, yeah, well, every, the whole yeah. time, you know, the every whole car thing that goes is... by, people. T- I mean, you look around when you drive anywhere; it's mind blowing how many people are looking down, like at their phones. Yeah, that's, that's that's sort of the scary new new thing, you know. But <clears throat> that same town, I went and talked to some some cops afterwards to report it because it was a hit and run. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, and the van, so we had a support van, but it was like ten miles up the road. So right. They didn't see anything. I this person couldn't have known i was with that group or with that athletic brewing but uh it was wild man but we reported it and the cop was like yeah we've had three people this week cyclists get killed in this town wow and 
two of them were bike tours, like going cross country. Really? One of them was in the running for the mayor of Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah. Huh. Just a, just super normal people, man. Just, just out for one. One was out for like a morning ride. Terrible. Got hit by this nurse, this lady who a single mom, who's a nurse and just tired, I guess, fell asleep at the wheel. So really bad yeah. situations all around, but See, but, and you worry about me. I, I'm I don't know, dude. Well, I mean, it's just, that's what I'm saying. It's a completely in, <laughs> like help. Open. Where is help? Where is help? Is I guess my. Well, that's yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's none of that. There's no cell phone reception. I feel like I, I got it hit, you know. So the car's behind. If I would have been like demolished, I feel like cars would have stopped and helped. But then, yeah, right. It right. doesn't matter because you're dead. So well, I just I always think it's just so funny because you know, and then you take another guy like uh, Alex Hunnell. Uh, yeah, Alex Honnold, the yeah. climbs. I mean, he, he, and it's it's sort of interesting. I've never been able to talk to him, but um, it would be kind of cool just to chat, just because you know I do my trips untethered, um, yeah. and it pales into comparison to to what he's doing. But there's still that same sense about when you make that mistake. If you know if you're gonna make a mistake, you're pretty much that's it. It's game over. There's there's this focus that comes about you, and uh, but I, at the same time, I, that's the only thing I have in common with that guy. I would, it makes my palms sweat just thinking about climbing untethered up something like that. No man. Well, well, uh, what scares me about the ocean was we had a guy on the show. This was before I was host. It's a, fam- a famous story. I'm just forgetting his name. He wrote a book. But he was sailing across. I think a race across the Atlantic. Yeah, and, and he, and he was in a life Stephen, raft. Uh, Callahan, I think. Yeah, he was in a life raft. He was. He's lived on like days or seventy seventy something days. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've 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 listened to the episode, but Discovery Channel put it together like a little mini doc. It was on a show. Mm-hmm. I watched it like two weeks ago, and it just randomly got recommended. And uh, it was a reenactment. It was actually a pretty good actor reenacted. It was like, dang, this feels pretty real because right. a lot of those are pretty cheesy, but. It was he was laying there in his cabin just sleeping. Yeah. And then water gushing so, in. Boom. He still doesn't know. He never knew what what actually happened, whether he hit something or you oh know, if just because he built that boat himself. Man, I gotta show you something about what like hitting random stuff. Unbelievable. People ask me that one a lot. Holy cow. But but my what scared <laughs> me to death about that because my wife and we're going when we go down to that marina it's like man this is tempting these boats are a lot less than houses you know what i'm saying like this you're doing risk assessment now yeah that's what yeah it's like (laughs) that would be so cool and you're obviously be someone i would reach out to like oh what does it take because because we know people like sv delos sv delos yeah yeah, we've had them on the show they're a family that lives out there you know they're like it was two couples they do some real sailing oh yeah yeah Holy smokes. They do some they do some crazy stuff. Um but what scared me so much about Steven's experience it just was like 3 minutes and his boat was yeah, swamped and just And it was like, "Oh my, 3 minutes?" Like how that would take me enough time to grab my You know what I'm saying? Like it's just so scary to think your your windows that small. Yeah. And you're I don't know your protections that small. I don't know. That's and it's what scares the middle me. of the night. Well, yeah. I, just a quick story. When I was learning to get, learning to do like offshore stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. We were down in Australia with a school called Flying Fish and we were building our sea miles. And the year before 
they had been out and it was like a a 40 foot Beneteau or something that they were using. I think there were maybe six people on board and they were 15 miles or so off the coast of Australia, north of Sydney, and the keel fell off and the boat sank within, I think, like a minute. And what? Three of, I believe it was three, three of them survived and swam to shore. And the other three went down because the ship, it just went down like a rock. I mean, when the keel falls off, you've just got this gaping hole in the bottom of your boat. And it's just like, wow. I heard that story. I was just thinking to myself, it can happen. You know, blink of an eye. I'm, I'm looking at your eyes all wide and like, holy smokes, you shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> uh, it's just it's so. But that's like, super rare. Uh, we're gonna super rare. We're just gonna get a move in an RV. That was like <laughs> my thing, where it's like you know, it's you know, a tire could blow out and we flip us. That's well, possible. Here's but. here's the good news. The good news is that you can if you're if you're prepared to take it a little slower out on the ocean, like I do. Uh, you can buy a boat where there's no they're built so strong. My boat, Mighty Sparrow, West Sail 32, it's not fast, but it would take literally a, a container ship to hit me to sink that thing. And there's stories about container ships hitting West Sails, and the West Sail just bounces off of it. Jeez, okay. It's just cosmetic. So there are boats out there that, you know, I, I could run mine aground and just leave it there for a year and come back and just sail it right off. You're just an expert on all this, so I, I want to ask while well, I'm here because I've only yeah. been here like six months, and so <laughs> we, we we go hiking or there's you know there's all these preserves or beaches and there's just boats like yeah. aground tilted. Oh right, what right, right. is that? Uh, Who delete? Why why is the boat? Why are the boats left? Uh, pretty much, it's sort of one of the the tragedies with that's come along with with fiberglass boats. Um, you know, old wooden boats, you still would have seen, you know, 50 years ago or something. I'm sure you would have seen the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but those boats decompose and break apart and yeah, just yeah. turn into debris. Now with fiberglass, these boats basically will last 100 years sitting on a beach. because and there's no way is, to like... They have to be yanked off. I mean, essentially, these are boats that are either abandoned on purpose because people can't afford them anymore or you know they ank somebody anchors their boat and they're like yeah you know and then they just take off and they yeah i see them like, for free on craigslist all the time it's yeah like, hey, if you yeah. can dig it out you can have it right 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 exactly what is that is it not worth it uh no well i as as and i get this a lot when when people are trying to they they think they want to change their lives and go get a boat. The problem is it's a boat, no matter if somebody gives you a free boat, they're basically handing you a very expensive bill. <laughs> like and a horse. Even though, <laughs> even though you don't have to pay for the boat, yeah, you still have to pay for moving it, where it's going to stay, all that sort of Fixing stuff. Fixing it up if it's yeah, damaged. Yeah, and most of those boats, you know, those could be um, leftovers from hurricanes and things like that. Totally. In the Caribbean is still littered with boats from Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Irma, and that was 2017. I mean, littered. There's still places where there's there's you know, hundred hundred fifty foot old cargo vessels that are still stuck on the Unreal. land in the BVI. So it's just like a whole diff- It's a whole culture, man. That 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 the the language, the the people in it. It's like walking. It's like near here is Ocala, and there's it's like horse culture. It's like right, a whole right, world right. that we we were in it, and like you just get a look, and you're like, oh my god, I had no idea all this was going on. Conferences and 
you know, well-known <laughs> figures and books. And it's like, you get in this sailing world. It's like the same thing. It's like, wow, there's, there's a whole world that we're just, it's right on the edges of society. Cause it's on the water and it's, it's just crazy, man. It's really well, cool. And, and it, it, it sort of splinters in, you know, if you, if you think you're confused talking to like just a regular sailor, talk to somebody who races sailboats. And even I'm sitting there going, all right, wow, I, I'm not really catching what he's talking about. <laughs> but it's only because I've, I've never, I, I've had a lot to do with racing when I was, you know, working at the bitter end and stuff, but I've never been like an actual sailboat racer. I like to, I'm a cruiser, yeah. I think is what you would call me. But, hey, that's uh, our pace. That's my pace. I, yeah. I, 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 same with cycling. I don't race at all. It's a right, whole right. world talking about stuff I, you know, don't really care for or, think about and it's just like i really out there to cruise cruise around and see stuff talk to people and just racing the have stories yeah 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 get out of alaska before the winter comes in let me show let me show you this and and we can got all right so here we we helped we partially helped sponsor this team to row across the atlantic this year oh nice talisker whiskey challenge i don't know if you ever yeah wasn't there how many how many were in there there were like, there's like 30, 40 teams. So that's the team we helped called Latitude 35. And they're just getting oh, some nice. free plugging. But they were like promoted by Lance Armstrong and just, I don't know. They, it was, a, they, they got second place. Oh, wow. But I don't show them, I don't show that to you to just tell you about them. I show it to you to see if you've ever heard of anything like this happening. Where is it? Look at that. See that? Sticking up through the hole. Ooh, what do we got? So let me tell you. Oh, is that a swordfish? A swordfish. The beak. Beak went straight through their their hole. Uh Uh-huh. Right between the legs of one of the dudes sleeping on the mattress. (laughs) Oh, what are the chances? Dude, so water just starts squirting up. Look at that's underneath. Oh my gosh. It's broken off pretty deep in there. Then they gotta get down there and fix it and they sawed it off flat. Uh isn't that crazy? Well, they should have painted the bottom of that red. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> uh, that's, it could be a theory because when you, you know those those fish when they're chasing uh, bait and stuff, yeah. I mean they're moving really fast. I think they're the fastest animals in the world. Pretty like, close, yeah. I think uh, I'd have to watch Planet Earth again, <laughs> Blue Planet, but I want to say the sailfish might be. But uh, no, it um, it's it's sort of an interesting thing. With my boat being, I paint the bottom of it red, and it sort of really st- stands out, I guess. And that's my thinking. It also is the same color as krill, so that's a little scary when the whales are around. But uh, yeah, yeah. If you tough. had a blue bottomed boat, I don't know. I wonder if it would blend in. As if you're a fish, would you not really see it if you're moving at thirty or forty miles an hour chasing? Blue something? marlin, blue marlin. They said it was. I don't know how they can tell because all those beaks. I don't know, kind of look the same. Oh, I don't right, know. Right. They, they oh, might yeah, be able to tell. That, okay, okay. Because I, I had heard stories about uh, swordfish fishermen, you know, in the olden days in like wooden boats and things, I guess, you know, getting their boats broken apart by them just because they're such powerful fish and they put this big sword on the front of them. And, you know, I, I mean, it's super dangerous trying to catch those things, pull them on your, on your boat. I think the first thing they do is grab that thing and saw it off. Like wow. modern day fishermen. Yeah, so. yeah, dude, that's uh, you I never had know never what's gonna come up from never the heard. No, no kidding, man. <laughs> so, so I wonder if that's what happened to uh, 
Is it Steven? Steven Callahan. Um, yeah, I you know, it it could have it's been so just random. some debris. I mean, literally off that coast, the the current and the wind basically drives anything all south along that coast of the western coast of Africa. So it could have been uh, you know, a refrigerator floating around totally. out there for all he knows and have it, you ever seen something like that out there uh i've only seen smaller stuff uh i've seen it in great abundance you know in like south of bermuda um the biggest stuff i saw was in the south atlantic garbage patch and some of it were like huge nets and things like that they're all balled up and uh i'm trying to think maybe a 55 gallon drum or two but uh normally those are like the plastic ones so I, I've heard stories about containers, you know, you get the, especially the refrigerated containers. And recently in the Pacific, there was some cargo ship that dropped like 1600 containers in the water. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's a problem. Oh yeah. I mean, most of them are going to sink, but there are some that if they fall the right way and the, the container, what it, what it has inside, you know, jams up against the door or whatever. Then all of a sudden it's just basically a, a, a mobile buoy out there yeah. that, yeah, if you smack into it and yeah, again, you, you know, at night you can't sit there with a flashlight and point it off the bow. That's just not realistic. So you just, you just sort of chance it. But again, it's such a vast open place that the chances of you hitting something are so slim right. that, it's not worth sitting there and worrying about, but I, you know, when I start seeing debris and garbage floating, I know I'm in one of those gyres where, you know, the current has brought everything together and that's, that's going to be your best opportunity for hitting something big that or the shipping lanes. But I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, it's like being out in the woods and thinking about bears. It's just going to totally freak okay. you out. Totally. It's, it's one in a million, yeah. you know, the, Steve's story is popular because it's the exception. You know, right. It's right. not. It's like getting chased by a bison, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I still love that story. I've listened to it a couple of times. <laughs> Man, I made that a couple of years ago now. I'm yeah. Gonna, I can't remember what I'm number sure episode cheesy. that was. I think it, it was a, I think it was a bonus episode. I, what I was trying to do is, is <laughs> increase the skills of like storytelling yeah. With sound effects and stuff just to see, but right, right. I don't know, man. This this podcast has gone to so many different places and times, and so it's settling in into what it's always been and probably will continue to be. I might do a few more things like that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh no, it's it, it was great. I, I need I more just, stories, though. I could just envision it, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, what uh, so we were talking before like daily tasks. Oh, yeah, yeah. what do you do? to just pass time is is it is it hard to pass time or is no, it not not for me there there's some situations where i'm sort of annoyed that i'm i'm having to stay awake for longer than i want to to because i i'm dealing with like rain squalls and things like that and you have to stay awake for that yeah because the wind is shifting and changing and that that's the and biggest sail. thing you know sail, yeah. you because if the wind all of a sudden cranks way up you can't just leave those sails up there or else you know, break something or, or, you know, the boat's going to get really uncomfortable sort of stuff. But at the same time, if the wind drops off, then the boat gets really uncomfortable because it's now rolling and the sails are slamming. And again, that'll break stuff. So you're in a way, your job when you're out at sea by yourself is you're, you're like the caretaker of like the lighthouse. You're always making sure everything's working. Okay. And you're changing this, changing that. Um, but 
in the meantime, a lot of it's just sort of waiting. And I, I have an affection for the sea to just be able to sit and watch and just observe the, the horizon and the waves and the birds and all that sort of stuff. I, I don't know. I could sit there for literally hours and just watch and listen to some music or sometimes not. Um, you know, my, my favorite thing is to just have a nice medium breeze and I'm sailing, you know, across the wind, the boat's moving well, and I'm just in a comfortable sort of reclined position on the boat, not getting splashed. And I'm just able to just stare out there. And a lot of times I'm not even thinking about anything. It's, it's like, I'm just letting, you know, all the visual just go right into my, into my brain. And that, you know, I don't, there's something about that. And I, I think, I think anybody can do that. Cause you think about how much people want to and how much money they spend to go stay in a hotel that's on a beach. Yeah. You know, the, the only difference between that hotel and any other one is that it's on the beach and people will sit in those chairs and just whew, stare out. It's there. like a campfire. You just, yeah. just stare at it, but yeah. it's the beach. Yeah. People, I mean, we go down all the time and it's, most people are going down there just to sit and look at it. Yeah, and it it's, is. it's it's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, I don't know why, but it's just it's it's amazing. It's Especially like, when you got nice rolling, yeah. you know, waves coming in and stuff. I mean, it, it, as scary as it is when you get into pretty heavy weather, it's also beautiful. I mean, to see these these big white caps and these big breaking waves, you know, when they get up in the twenty foot range, it's impressive. You're just mm-hmm. it's noisy and. You're like, whoa, because it feels like the waves are maybe 40 feet. Mm -hmm. They they always say that if you're on a boat, you want to cut in half the height that you think you see (laughs) because you're sort of in that moment. But if you're if you're watching like a video of the waves from a boat, you're supposed to double it because, you know, whenever you video, it never does any justice unless you're doing it from like a drone or something like that. Man, that is so cool. But, you know, daily, daily wise. Yeah. I mean, you know, you wake up, you have your coffee. So that's normal. Everybody does that. How do you Um, make your coffee? uh, I just use that French press sitting right over there. I actually. Oh, wow. I didn't have it on the AT, but uh, I bought it shortly after and it's it's plastic. So it's it's uh, it's stood the test of time. No kidding. It's Holy cow! That's what I use every morning a French press. Yeah, it's I had to get easy. a I had to get a metal one. Oh really? You know they come glass typically. Yeah, I've yeah. I've broken five or six. Yeah, I can't have one on the no, boat. The glass. No, I can't just, imagine. Yeah. Because yeah. if that breaks, woof! I'm I'm out of luck. You got like, no coffee. That for cup of coffee. Nine months. Is, <laughs> the morning cup's not as essential as the I'm going to be up from you know two to four a.m. cup. You know, just knowing that that's a, a possibility when I have to be up that late. Then it, it makes it all better. But uh, yeah, you have your cup, maybe you, you have some breakfast, you do your boat checks, a few hours have gone by. And, and like I said, at noon, you got to do all the position reports and stuff. So I'm old school, so I'm doing it on a chart. And if the weather's good and I feel like it, I'll use the sextant to do the noon position. And it's it's not complicated. Uh, once you've done it 100 or 200 times, it's it's pretty much just a couple calculations, measure measure the angle of the sun and stuff. But um, and then the afternoon, you know, I usually read or, or just enjoy. And then, then you've always got the sundowner sort of cocktail hour. So, you know, you, you have one or two cocktails and then sunset and it's like, I don't know. Then, then it's nighttime and you've got your stars or, or if the weather's great, you just head right down and go to sleep. I mean, I, I'm, I've never understood people that go out by themselves and say they only sleep for 
30 minutes at a time. Like that sounds crazy. Really? Yeah. I don't understand. I, I would think that just would for drive you into like a psychotic. Mo- like monitor stuff? Like yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I, when I think back to my first solo trip, which was from, it was like 300 miles from the BVI to Dominica. I barely slept on that because it was my first time. I didn't know how this was going to work. There were other ships around. And I tried to do that, like 15, 20-minute cat naps, had a little alarm. And then I remember, I think it was the second night, really tired by that point, and uh, set the alarm. And then I think I woke up like three hours later. And I was like, wow, okay, well, nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) It is wild. It's almost like you're you know got a car that's moving along and you're just it's like being I'm in tesla <laughs> <Right>? yeah kind <laughs> of a little scary a little scary yeah yeah but it, it's it's one of those things you, you just have to sort of get used to it and that's that's probably one of the biggest questions i always get is how how do you sleep while that boat's moving and stuff and again it, it just goes back to once that boat is in it's nice rhythm it's almost like uh being in a little cradle you're getting rocked but as soon as anything changes, you know, if you, you're you're rocking your baby to sleep, as soon as you stop, the baby wakes up. It's the same for me out on the boat. And, you know, sometimes you accidentally sleep through something you shouldn't have, but uh, it's pretty rare. Because you're never really, I've only been in like a really deep sleep uh, probably a handful of times where I'm having crazy dreams. I wake up, I do not know where I am, you know, like, oh, oh. To up to the cockpit, like what's going on, and then you sort of like, wow, I was really asleep. I must have been <laughs> dead tired. Normally, it's just just under, you know, your your eyes are closed and your body's resting, but it's aware. You know what I mean? Wow. Do you miss it? Um, yeah, a little bit, but it's uh, it's hard to miss when you live on the boat. You miss it right now. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, because I've been down here for a week and I cannot wait to get back to my bunk. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because I, you know, the boat, I've set it up as best as I can for, for me living. On, and when I when I live on it, um, you know, when I'm on the dock. So I have two modes. I have offshore mode, which, you know, it, it changes how I set things up down below. But then dock mode is is trying to make it into essentially a tiny house. You know, there's decorations on the walls and, you know, the computers there and all this sort of stuff. And it's it's as comfortable as possible. And I love, there's some nights where I just sit in there and I'm just looking around and I just love being on the boat. I don't know. I, I, a lot of sailors, I think after a big trip would probably get back and be like, Ugh, I don't even want to see that thing. Right. When I finished my big trip, I was on the boat for, I think two weeks in the boatyard, um, just sort of cleaning it all out and, and putting it to bed, so to speak. But I wasn't in any big rush. Like I didn't go stay in a hotel or anything like that, so kind of weird, I guess, right? I don't, no, no. You make it sound so easy. Just the the you you no 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 not easy. It feels like you have found your like my little happy place. Yeah, your place. That's really cool. When I you know I I do start daydream. I I'd love to own a piece of land at some point. You know, nothing huge, but maybe in Michigan or or you know Vermont or something like that. Who knows? But when I think about, you know, trying to like maybe build a cabin or something like that, I always circle back to just ship Sparrow over there and park it in the woods and just live on the boat. <laughs> I've already got solar. I've got all the cooking. Everything is there. And I could just build like a front porch. 
But then everybody just is like, oh, here goes Ted Kaczynski over there. He's right. living on his boat in the woods. But I, I don't see it that way. Right. No, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. There's, I, there's a, the, I'd say the marinas a lot. You, there's like different types of marinas I'm learning. There's like the real ritzy ones. And oh, yeah. There, there's like a, almost a more grungy one near a, close by too, where it's nice. like people are working on the boats and it's just that's a yeah. little more blue collar looking and. It looks like there's some folks living on the boats too. Yeah, so that would be if if the boats are out of the water, that's, they are. that's sort of classified as a boat yard. Boat and yard. and it's it's interesting because a lot of the marinas and boat yards and stuff are sort of in this transitional state where uh, I think some big companies are starting to buy up all the little marinas and it's it's becoming harder and harder to find those small inexpensive places where you can live aboard on your boat, you know, year round if you want there. And, and with the boat yards, it's, it's definitely becoming more scarce to find one that you can live on your boat in the boat yard and do the work on your boat yourself. Cause a lot of them, you know, they, they'll say, well, you can, you can be in here, but you can't, you can't live on the boat. And if you do like the bottom paint, the, the boat yard has to do it. So you have to pay them to do it sort of thing. And so sort of the old days of, of that being more commonplace, but there still are enough of them where you can you can still find them. I mean, that's that's those are the places I look for the grungy ones. Yeah, that seemed a little more like oh, they're way our more style. fun. Yeah. it's just like there was a bunch of there, there's young folks, there's old folks, all just working, and they've got their stuff underneath the boat and riding bikes up and you know, up and down the road. And I'm just like, that's it's a community. People are really getting ready for adventures or or whatever it is. They're 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 working on something. It's it's cool to yeah. see. Yeah, and and everybody's sort of sharing information and all that stuff. I you know I, I would equate it to, uh, I guess being in maybe like an RV park in some respects. Yes. Um, where you know people are are still moving and doing things and going places and all that. Um, it wouldn't be like a, you know, like a trailer park where everybody's just sitting there and nobody goes anywhere. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like. A lot of boats, though, definitely don't move. They will find their dock, and some people just like to live on sailboats. Just that that water and that. Yeah, there's there's a few at the marina I'm at that that'll probably never move. Wow. And that's I mean it's you know that's it's just a form of like a tiny house. Yeah, but the boat it, it's 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 meant for. It's meant to move. Yeah. But it it won't. So that's interesting. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I you know, it seems really appealing at times. Seems fun, like a like a treehouse or something. That's it's yours. It's cozy. Yeah. Well, and I, that's one of the things I've thought about. Is if I ever did, if I got to the point where I wasn't using Sparrow the way she's meant to be used, like if I'm not going offshore and and doing bigger passages, I would want to sort of sell it to somebody who wanted to do that, just because you know the boat really belongs out in the ocean and. Uh, to replace it, you know, you'll find some like 60 foot old clunker that you're really not going to take offshore because it's a little past its uh, expiration date. But think all the room you can. I mean, we're talking about as big as this house. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they are. They are quite a ticket, though, as far as trying to fix them up and at least make imagine. sure they don't sink. So that's that's the big one, man. That's the big one. Well, you know, to close it up, what what is in the future for you? What do you have? kind of going around in that brain uh you know i it's it's hard because like i said and i always run into this is that i already have the boat 
and the boat is so purpose built for doing these big epic trips and one of the things I ran into on this last one was eventually I just didn't want to be out there anymore because the trip was sort of ruined and I was like I'm feeling just stuck my mind started going places it shouldn't have gone and and I just I realized that if you're going to isolate yourself on a boat and do one of these big trips you really better want to be out there I mean, you have to be 100% committed because if there's even a little bit of doubt, then that that's going to start to grow, or it can at least, if things don't go your way. And, you know, with the first trip, I was 100% dead set on doing that for five years beforehand. And I never faltered. It never even for a second crossed my mind that I might not want to do it. Um, and I think that carried over into, you know, the entire trip. And then... Cause there were only maybe a couple of times where I ever even considered like, man, maybe there's an escape route here. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. But those were really tiny and they didn't last. But, um, I, you know, I would like to, as far as like deadpan plans, there's this crazy story from our family way back mid 1800s. So like 1820s, 1830s, I think my great, great, great grandfather, was on he was on the ships that would do the nitrates trade so they'd leave from europe go down the atlantic and they'd go around cape horn backwards up into the pacific and they'd mine the guano the bird poop yeah and they'd bring it back because the the fields in europe were basically barren it you know over farmed for so many centuries and so the nitrates were basically fueling the food and uh so when he was, I think, the second mate on a ship, so a younger man, went on a trip and they had picked up all the stuff from some island. We don't know which one it was, but as they're sailing back to go to Cape Horn and go back to Europe, um, they passed by two more islands that, that weren't in the pilot book. Like nobody knew where they were or what they were, but they were covered in it. And so my great 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 grandfather got dropped off with another guy and they were left on the island to guard it and they were going to sail back to europe and then they would come back and pick them up so literally we're talking like a year later and fortunately nine months later another ship which i can't remember where they were from ended up stopping and picking them and the guano up and then sailing back so he got marooned on this island which from what we believe is uh an island called Howland Island, where Amelia Earhart, I think, had to either either she crashed or she had to I don't know if it's land there or something. It's they, they speculate it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's right on the equator, up in the middle of the Pacific. They're U.S. like I don't even know what they would pacify them as because they're uninhabited, but the U.S. owns them. Uh, but the idea would be to sort of recreate that in a way. He. The the Captain Albert Rand, my great great grandfather, he uh, lived up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So what I would plan to do was leave from there, sail around Cape Horn backwards, and then at least get to the island to either spot it, and if the weather is good enough, be able to anchor and at least go on shore, maybe scoop up a little sand, grab a rock, that sort of thing, and then sail north of Hawaii get above maybe the 40th parallel and then back down to Cape Horn. I'm just looking at the map. Up. That's unreal. Yeah. Well, it, it would be, you know, around the 30,000 mile mark. So it'd be comparable distance wise. And 
you know, doubling Cape Horn is definitely tricky because you can, you can, you can go around Cape Horn at the best time of year, but you can't do it twice at the best time of year. And, uh, which would be like December, January. And it, it would just be sort of a different trip. I mean, part of me doesn't want to end my solo sailing career on just a circumnavigation of, uh, of the Atlantic because I couldn't go through the Northwest passage, you know? And, 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 but that's at the same time, that's also makes me rethink what I'm doing. Cause I also don't want to, I know that you can't just go out there because you're trying to feed your ego. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of battling with all these things in my brain at this point, but man, I don't know. Unreal. It, it be, what a cool story though. With yeah. Your great, great, great grandfather. I mean, that's, it, it could definitely, um, you know, be a pretty interesting book where you could talk about the, the phosphates trade, and also sort of try and tell his story. Although, you know, we don't have a ton of information on it, but... In a way, recreate it. Yeah, I mean, in in his... One it's of the funniest... A lot funniest, of layers. Lot one, of layers. One, yeah, they could all sort of intertwine with, with sort of my experience going out there. But in his... Um, uh, what do they call it in the newspaper after you die? Obituary. In his obituary, one of the quotes they had was uh, when, when he was asked... If he would rather go back to that island or go to upstate prison, uh, go to prison in upstate New York, he'd choose prison. He said it was just awful. Like there were rats. I mean, we're talking an island with like no trees, oh. and just being dropped off with probably things like hardtack, which is just rock hard biscuits and probably salted pork. And yeah, it would have been it would have been pretty miserable. I don't and think it would have been you gar- know guarding this this this. Treasure, yeah, essentially, yeah, right. With and literally bird poop, it's having unreal. to smell it too, you know. <laughs> You're making more, you know. Every yeah, day. Exactly. Holy cow, what we do for what we do for things, man. So that is knows? wild. That is so. If it wasn't sailing, though, what do you think? Uh, you know, I I definitely keep considering uh, the PCT or the CDT. Mm-hmm. I would, I, you know, those long distance trails, they are really fun. Um, would you go after the triple crown then you think, you know, I don't know. Um, I've been researching the continental divide trail more than anything. Um, just cause it seems a little, a little wilder and a little less, um, regulated for sure. I mean, you're, you're, I think you have to orienteer a lot of that cause the trail is, it, it's harder. Yeah. It's pretty much all there but you know talking to people who have done all three um most people say they enjoyed the cdt the most as far as the experience of it i mean the at these days i guess is sort of escalating into this this roaming party in the woods in a lot of ways it's what it seems like compared to and and not to say that it's still not you know miles and miles of empty wilderness but Compared to what it was ten years ago, I think I think it's it's changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So the CDT is definitely the most remote of them still. Yeah, um, more challenging. Uh, this family I was going to show you of six, three girls, one boy, and then mom and dad. They recently they just did it last year. They, oh, wow. they live right around here. Oh really? Yeah, family here right here from Florida that that's doing them all. They did. They started with the PCT last summer. Or year before. Yeah. 2020 summer CDT. And the next summer, going to finish it off with a party on the AT. Nice. They're all wow. like ages 10 to 17. 
Well, I'm thinking about all the experiences they. Oh my gosh! They're skipping. They're they're missing out on school for it, but they've got permission from the schools, and they really they're gonna learn a heck of a lot. And they're from right like down the like like (laughs) 45 minutes from here, man. It's crazy. And uh, we just we had them on the show, and it was just they they had a heck of an experience out there this year. But that's cool, yeah, because you've got this experience with uh, the Appalachian Trail, the right, um, right. Well, and I, I the one thing about the AT I did think is the southbound trip would be very different because usually the trail will weed out people that can't or are really probably are in it for the wrong reasons, so to speak. Um, you know, cause I, on my experience in 2012, by the halfway point, I, the majority of people had already dropped out. And so it just thins out. And so if you're starting in the North in like say September, then most of the people have already, most of the northbound hikers have already finished or uh, have dropped out. So you're you're basically on a southbound trip following the the fall colors and trying to sort of beat winter, I guess. Oh but, man, you think you could beat winter starting that late? That's uh, you know, I don't I don't know because I've never I've never talked to any southbounders uh, about how they what time they I left. I just and had all a that friend stuff. do it this year. Oh, okay, southbound. what when did he leave in I think July? July. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Because of COVID, the plan was to go north starting in March, but or April, but you know that couldn't happen. Right. Right. But southbound July, I think he did it in three months and thirty days, like a day under four months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. So, hey, well, should I just very briefly uh, finish where I where I went on that trip? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just I'm sorry, because I know, no, no, it's all right. I just, I was like, oh man, you know, maybe we'll have to do a two part or something. Um, but it, as I was going south, and my brain is sort of losing it a little, trying to figure out what I was going to do, halfway in between the Azores and the Cape Verde Islands, I start getting into just way less wind, more motoring, the temperature starting to skyrocket, and uh, and then I'm entering the area where like the hurricanes are born. So these huge thunderstorms are coming off and they're called tropical waves. And they just, if they start to rotate, then they basically turn into a hurricane. So I'm crossing that path and I'm really starting to sort of question what I'm doing and I'm just getting further and further away. But at that point, I can't, I can no longer really cross the Atlantic because there's so many hurricanes that just keep popping up. And, uh, that's when I think I hit like sort of the psychological low point was my, my water started going, you know, the, the level of that was going down. So I was sort of finding myself in the situation I was in on the last trip. This time I still had the same pump, a new one. Um, but I was basically, uh, experiencing something that I'd never felt, which was just this, this sort of inkling that I was actually starting to lose my mind. Uh, yeah, where I remember one day specifically where it started raining and it's super hot and I was motoring and the, the, the engine on that boat is pretty loud. So it sort of takes over everything. It's very hard to sleep, do anything because it's just rah, 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 that, that going on. And so it's raining and I'm down below and I can't catch any of this water because it's got so much Sahara dust in it and so it's bacteria. So I'm in this situation where <laughs> I'm I'm really far away from home. I can't get off of this boat. It's raining, so I'm trying to be down below so I'm not getting rained on. And the engine is just cranking away, and it's hot. 
and I'm literally like almost lose it. And I go up and I'm standing up on that deck. And I still to this day remember just being up there and thinking just for a split second, like about jumping off. And I was just, I, I, it was the weird feeling. It was, it was the only time I ever felt like I, I couldn't, I wasn't in control of the thoughts that were going through my brain. And that was, that was the point where I was like, okay, I got to go back. Like I have to. So I, I basically went down and came up with the game plan of, you know, go a little further South, almost to the equator and then head back, you know, sort of out of the hurricane belt and wait until just about the tail end of September. So it was sort of safe, I guess. Um, but it, it was like this tipping point because before that I was still sort of in limbo wondering, you know, if I'll go around the world again, or maybe I'll go around backwards and just, it was just the strangest, like my brain just started feeling more and more off. And of all the time I've been out of sea, I've never experienced that. I've never had any thought that like, maybe I could actually lose my mind out there. Um, and that was the only time I ever actually felt like if I don't come up with like a solid game plan and actually, you know, be heading somewhere, like I will, I will actually lose my mind. And I, you know, I've read enough stories of, of accounts of people that have, and I've met people that have, come back from sea and you can tell they're pretty off. And I just never, I never once ever thought that that was going to be something I would be susceptible to. But on this trip, oh man, it, it was, I will never, like right now I'm picturing myself standing up on that deck and I was just up on the bow and I'm sort of holding on to this thing. And for whatever reason, it kept going through my head to like jump off and the boat's moving so if i jumped off obviously like it would be over but uh there there would be nothing you could do no yeah the boat would just keep going and uh and i'd be sort of stuck there but yeah it was just this weird apex mentally you know that that i sort of had to break free from and then yeah i mean i basically was able i was really lucky on the return from the equator to south carolina where the boat is now for whatever reason, I went underneath Hurricane Teddy and a couple others. And then when I did my cut to go across towards the Caribbean, basically right across the hurricane belt, um, the hurricane season just paused for like two weeks. The whole time I was going across, it went from being the busiest hurricane season to nothing. And then as soon as I got there, the hurricane started coming out of the Gulf again. It was weird. That's a, that's a hell of a story <laughs> right then that was i mean you know i could draw that out quite a bit but that was sort of the crux of what what sort of ended that trip um and i don't know i you know it was there were definitely amazing things that i saw down there especially sailing between africa and the caribbean um you know where these hurricanes are developing I got to see sort of the actual how it looks, what these cloud formations do. But I was in a race to sort of get back. And I, I just knew I was like, I'm going to literally go crazy in not a good way out Without here. Without a direction or, or a Yeah, goal. yeah. Because yeah. once wow. I made that choice, then all of a sudden those thoughts were gone. But I think it was just the the idea of being in limbo out there and being stuck that just, it was slowly a ticking time bomb in my head. So, 
Does that scare you now? Uh, it worries me a little as far as attempting another big, big trip. Um, but it's almost like I'd rather know that that's a possibility. So it'll at least make me aware that it's there. And so if, it, if, it, if I was ever out there and, you know, that started, like say I went around Cape Horn, got in the Pacific and all of a sudden I started losing. And it, it was a worse situation. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, well give me, let's go to Tahiti then. We'll just go there, you know? So I don't know. It was, it was probably one of the most surprising parts of that voyage to just have something like that happen that I, I never expected at all. It was something else, but right, you, you're 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 pretty mentally strong. Yeah, I mean you have to be Thank to you. be out there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you 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 you. you I don't hear that very often because <laughs> <laughs> you're out there alone. No, yeah, right. No, but for real, you you just to be able to face the ocean like this is takes a lot of mental strength and fortitude and perseverance and. Like I, I, that's one, probably the biggest reason it scares me is like, I don't trust myself out there with that amount of, uh, unknown. I don't know how I would fare mentally. So, well, I, I'll tell you what, I'll make an agreement with you right now. Once, once sort of the world does get back to normal and you can like fly to other countries and it's no big deal. I will get us on like a delivery from the Bahamas to Florida. That's an overnight. It's like 90 miles. It's overnight. Uh, if you're going from Bimini, yeah, I think it's only like 90 miles or something. Real offshore passage, Gulf Stream, wicked awesome. storms. You never know. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so much fun. Oh, Can I ask you one last question? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. This no, I got good. I got all the time in the world. And this is <laughs> this is definitely like Hollywood, you know, Hollywood mindset coming in, American mindset. Are pirates a problem? Uh they are in certain areas, uh, but typically that is going to be within, you know, less than 100 miles offshore. Less than 100 miles and probably in certain places, too. In, yeah, I mean, that, that, the biggest hotspots are Southeast Asia, like Indonesia, places like that. It still happens a lot. Um, obviously, on the Somali coast, um, in, you know, uh, is it the Gulf of Aden? Up there by, you know, Yemen and all that, the Red Sea. That's that's a place you don't want to sail for sure. Um, the Amazon, off the coast of Liberia. Um, but again, you know, if you're if you're a hundred miles out, that's a long way for a band of you know pirates to try and come out because it's not it's not like the olden days where they were crossing the Atlantic of, as on these sailing ships and and terrorizing the Caribbean. I mean, these guys are on motor, you know, old trawlers and stuff boat. with little tiny little speedboats that they can put in the water and then they they'll go take tankers and things like that. But, you know, if you're if you're trying to cruise and do like the Suez Canal from the Indian Ocean to the Mediterranean, I mean, that's that's some seriously rough territory to go through. And, you know, you're sitting duck out there if you're you're just a, a sailboat. Obviously, the people are going to target you because if you own a sailboat, there's probably some valuables on it. And and pirates, you know, most of them, from what I understand, they're just going to basically kill everybody because they're going to sink the boat afterwards. Because then there's there's just no evidence of anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But I don't know. Some of the I think the the only real pirate story I know of was uh, Sir Peter Blake, who was like a big time round the world racer. He was a Kiwi, and uh, I think he was like America's Cup and everything. He was on some boat somewhere near the Amazon Delta, I believe, and this was ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Um, but he was with a bunch of people, and um, they got boarded by pirates and. I think he went down below for a shotgun and came back up and they just started to unload. I don't know if they killed everybody on the boat, but I think they definitely killed him. So it's, it's a threat. I, the, the only thing you can really do is, is basically put your hands up and hope to God they don't kill you. But I, I don't know. I always stay way offshore and anybody brave enough to come out there probably has respect for everybody else out there. I mean, I've had some weird encounters, but I've never, uh, you got time to tell us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I just told this story on uh, on TikTok, actually. I keep coming up. Um, and I keep telling people it's not a big issue. Um, I was maybe 400 miles off the coast of Brazil, headed north. So I'd been on the boat for maybe 230, 240 days. And I see this little... Um, just looks like a little fishing boat or troller or something like that. This was on your most recent trip? Uh, No, this was on the round the world trip. Round the world, yeah. And I see him way off on the horizon, maybe six miles away, and he's headed that way, and I'm headed the other way. And then I'm sort of watching him because, you know, it's something new to see. Right. And all of a sudden, he does a 90-degree turn, and he starts heading towards me. So I go down below. I look um, on the AIS, and there's there's no signal for him. And then I call on the VHF radio and there's no chatter back. And usually out in the ocean, nobody's, you don't like purposefully approach another boat without at least calling them on the radio or something like that. And it was really light wind. So I'm barely moving at all, maybe like two knots, so like walking pace. And I don't have an engine at that point because I'd run out of fuel. And I'm basically sort of sitting there watching it and he's getting closer and closer, gets within like two miles. And so I know he's, he's definitely coming towards me. It's not like a fishing boat that's just like picking up nets or something like that. And as he gets closer, I'm looking through the binoculars and there's just rust streaks. And this thing looks like just beat up, rough and tumble. And I'm not seeing any fishing gear, any of the telltale signs of, you know, a working boat just seeing this bow that's sort of chugging along at me. And I'm thinking like, wow, okay, this could be it. And I had my shotgun down below, but it wasn't loaded. And I'm starting, you know, the heart was starting to beat a little faster. Yeah. Did you go get it? Uh, I thought about it. And then I, I also thought about going down and trying to pop out of the forward hatch, like with different clothes on. Um, that's an old trick from Joshua Slocum, one of the first guy who sailed around the world back in the 1800s. Um, he would... He would do that to make it seem like there are more people on the boat. And I've heard of other people doing that as well. But I started, I'm just watching this thing. I'm like, God, it can't be that. But maybe it is. And my brain starts, you know, going crazy and gets within like half mile. And I'm still seeing no telltale signs that this is an actual fishing boat. And it's just looking worse and worse. And, And I think, okay, well... I don't have engine, so I'm not maneuverable. There's no reason to load this shotgun because what am I going to do? I mean, this is a, a power boy. He just smashed into me. So I just sort of sat there, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. But he kept coming and coming, and I'm getting more and more worried. And he gets within about 50 feet and does a turn. And on the back, there's like three dudes, and they're all holding up tuna. 
and they're they're basically shouting, "You buy, you buy." <laughs> they're they're fishing boat from Brazil, uh, Recife, I think. And literally, I I could barely even talk. I was I was so filled with adrenaline, just because on the whole voyage I've been by myself, and any ships I saw were just passing, you know. And then all of a sudden to have this sort of attention and. Oh my gosh. I, and the one guy that, uh, he had a camera and I would kill to have that picture that he took because he would probably see my eyes, but 10 times bigger than they are right now. It was, it was just scary. I mean, you know, it just doesn't happen. That doesn't happen out there. It's the only time I've ever had anything like that. You know, I mean, the only other weird thing was, um, a few days or weeks prior to that, I came across a drifting oil tanker that was, it was at night. It was showing two red lights, which means not under command, not a single other light on this thing. It was like maybe six to 800 feet long. And it was the only reason I saw it besides a red light was that it was blocking the stars as I got closer. But for all intents and purposes, there might not have been anybody on that boat. And it's just this huge oil tanker just floating in the middle of the. Would there be any way to explore it? You just you don't have that capability. Yeah, I thought about it, but I at the same time I was kind of like, well, if they're, I don't know what they're doing and what what's going on here. The engines weren't on, and it was essentially just drifting. So I just figured it's nighttime. I'm just going to keep going, but I did envision in my head. I was like, yeah, you know, I could hook up a tow line and take this as salvage. It's got to be worth something. (laughs) <laughs> in the scrap heap or something like that. I don't know. Those those were some of the oddball oddball things I've I've seen out there. But you know, people they they're like, have you seen UFOs or anything like that? I've definitely seen some weird stuff in the sky. But on this last trip, I did see um, some of the Starlink satellites, and I thought that was a UFO forever because it was it was like one, two, three, and then do 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 do. Yeah. All in a perfect line. I was like, oh my God, it's like a ship up there is dropping things off. Wow. And it was, yeah, somebody finally said, uh, it's probably Starlink, bud. <laughs> Thank Elon Musk. Yeah. yeah for <laughs> real. I saw those get dropped off the other day, another round of them. Uh, wow. So I'm sure more of the weird stuff happens when you're in towns and stuff, just dealing with people. Oh. All, I mean, there's got to be just a, there's got to be some, some, some wacky folks in this kind of moving around the world on boats subculture, just like oh, there is in the go, RV yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or like bikepacking sure. world. It's like hit or miss. You you see someone else crossing paths on the road. They're going the other way. And you're, it could be, you know, just someone biking. It could be anything going on there. Right, you, right. There's all kinds of people out there. Well, and, and typically like in the, in the sort of cruising world, you know, you go from marina to marina and there's there's people where their boats are moving and and they're what you'd call cruisers. And so they're obviously they have to keep their boats in working order and all sort of stuff. Then you've got like your liveaboards where it's, you know, they, they might not move. They just live on a boat, you know, at a marina or something. And then there's another sector, which you don't run into, at least I haven't too much, but it's where like, there is a boat when you first see it and it's usually on anchor and it looks like it might've been sitting there for 20 years. You know, maybe it's leaning to one side a bit, but there's a, there actually be a person living on it. And 
definitely interesting characters if uh if you ever get a chance to talk to there's there's one right by my house any um, of these guys yeah right well, in the water there's all kinds of stuff tied to the the deck the top yeah buckets oh, yeah. and tarps yeah. going you know shredded tarps over the top <laughs> of unshredded ones and i i chat with some of some of these these people and and it's always interesting to hear you know what how they got there and all that sort of stuff what i typically check out at is when they start talking about wanting to you know sail the boat around the world and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i kind of take a look around it's going to take a little work I think. <laughs> some prep <laughs> happy to help but yeah. but yeah i mean there's all facets of people out there on on and you're right it, it's like this sort of subculture so cool man it's pretty cool i i really enjoy it and i've only like said if anybody's ever lonely living in a house somewhere just buy a boat and put it in a marina because there's just people everywhere and yeah. you can't you can't get away from them it's great it's great they come over they not i when i try and do my podcast sometimes um two or three times i'll have people come up and they knock on the hall and it's like hey yeah we're doing a podcast give us uh 20 minutes 20 minutes and i, I keep it in I, I don't edit it out or anything i love it it's a common occurrence you oh know? well tell me where can folks listen to the podcast uh so i've i've tried to make it easy everything is sailing into oblivion across the board so the podcast is called the sailing into oblivion podcast and it's it's on all the the normal ones spotify and yeah. All that sort of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, recently, one of my little cousins had me set up a, a TikTok account because I had all this vertical filmed footage of like me just talking while I was on my big trip that I couldn't really use for anything else because it's in that vertical format. And uh, I was showing him some of the videos. He was like, dude, you got to do it. And so I set up a TikTok thing and there's, it's like, all this old footage I never thought I was going to use, I'm just throwing it up on there. And people are eating it up. So I'm just going to keep putting it out. Are they really? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I mean, awesome. it, it went up to tens of thousands of followers really quickly. And it was pretty cool. And so I'm just trying to answer questions and, and you know, give people the content that they're looking for. But yeah, YouTube, any of it, it's all sailing into oblivion. And I guess the only thing I really want to plug, if that's cool, is the audiobook. The audio version of Sailing into Oblivion's out on Audible. You can get it on Amazon. I'm getting it. Nice. I'm getting it. I want to. Well, I'll tell you what. I can give you a promo code. No, 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 no. no. That's that's you. You gotta gotta support you. Ah, well, I appreciate it. But um, yeah. So that's all. That's all I got. You you can tell a story, man. you, You can tell a hell of a story. You make it easy, Mason. I you know honestly, I I probably wouldn't have started doing my podcast at all had i not i I think it was the one that i did with you that i was like yeah i think you know that could be something i could do and it's i it just obviously i i don't have sort of the people that i usually target for my interviews obviously are people that are around me within proximity just because i like to do them you know face to face but it's typically the people that are i want to call them the beginnings of the adventures because they're the ones that have just sold their house or done, you know, changed their life and been like, I'm getting a boat and I'm going for it. And so I don't know. It's it's kind of cool. And hopefully, maybe it'll, you know, five years from now, some of them will want to come back on if I'm still doing it. Yeah. And they'll be like, guess what we did? 
That's awesome. That that could be pretty cool. So I will say I, I love podcasts because like what other what other medium in today's world do you get to have a really in-depth conversation with somebody? Yeah. And then that conversation is out in the world for people to interact with you and cross paths with you and you know it builds this little community around it it it's been six years of doing this not me doing every one of them the last two and a half years for me and uh the previous host did it for quite a few years but it's just cool to get just the random email on a tuesday of like wow this this podcast has changed my life or it's so rewarding you know I, i i my son i don't know if he'll ever even care about this stuff but I'd be like, you know, your dad had all these conversations. He didn't do all this stuff, but he talked to these people and got to tell, help tell these stories and give it to the world. And it's, uh, it's definitely a joy. Well, your yours is dangerous for for me because I start listening to some of them and I'm like, ooh, that sounds fun. I could do that because I I'm I've never been hung up on like, oh, I want to be the first to do this or that. I just I want the experience and I want stories at the like end of the, the day. Biking, oh man, biking and running and just I mean, I think the ocean for me is always just going to be sailing because the thought of like rowing across, I'd be like, oh, what? Where are the sails? You'd be kidding me. But uh, I got another cocktail. Yeah, I mean, the, the hiking. Oh man, I don't know. Whenever I whenever I listen, I'm just thinking to myself, cool. that sounds like I could do something like that, but. Who knows? I'm sure we'll we'll have to we'll we'll sit down again at some point. But this has been fantastic. I yeah, it's been great to meet you first. Yeah, in yeah. Person. It's, I love it's, it. it's rare that I get to meet these folks. They're always joining from random places in the world. You know what I mean? Right, like right. I was talking to somebody in, I mean, the Netherlands last week, and uh, just you know, it'll be Norway the next week. It'll be Africa the next week, and so it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's very. It's not gonna, you know probably never meet these people in person but you get a conversation and you feel like you know them you know a little yeah, bit more yeah exactly i feel yeah. like we're friends i mean yeah, you, you no. may not feel that way i feel that way <laughs> no, i feel that way but well, how, well how, how long are we up to two hours oh wow and 15 okay. minutes felt like the blink of an eye well that that's great and uh yeah first of all Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.